that he was going to preach. And so I'm going to put him in the, the category with Brother Tracy. Uh, remember when Brother Tracy gave his testimony? And it went on and on and on. It was good. Uh, and so now, Stephen, you have joined the ranks there. And so that was a blessing. All right, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. Uh, the Bible says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. This this proverb, you say, well, it's not a command. No, but it is an identifying truth. We're not commanded to, but we see this exhortation here. I don't know about you, but I want to be a good man. I I want to be what God would classify as a good man. So a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. So now we're talking the third generation, uh, parents, child, grandchildren. And with this, as I made a statement this morning, there were no such things as trusts and, uh, and uh, uh, other vehicle, banking vehicles uh, that they would put that money in and bypass the children and then go to the grandchildren. That was not the case. It was referring to a wealth that was enough that would go to one generation, continue to be stewarded, and then be passed off to that following generation. God does not want us to just spend. Did anybody figure that out when you started that that wonderful thing called a budget? That you have to guard your spending. And that guarding of the spending, all of a sudden you recognize that, oh, there is more resources that come through my hands that I even realized. And as we are good stewards of what God has given us, what we can find is God will bless us as we steward properly that then we will have resources. When we think about an inheritance, so often people think, well, I don't have any money. I don't have any wealth. That's a cop-out. The good and faithful servant doubled what he had. Right? Don't get quiet on me. All right? Because we're just going to park then. All right, I do have other notes and we can get moving, but uh, the reality is here that the good and faithful servant took what they had and they multiplied it. That multiplication should be the result of stewardship. People that follow the biblical stewardship that we have taught here, they are blessed. But the ones that ignore it, they are constantly in financial trouble. You say, well, I don't have any money to, re- to, to steward. That's not true. Good stewardship will result in increased resources. 
It's biblical. That's a biblical principle. So with that, if we are going to increase our, our resources, then that means that we will have something to leave an inheritance. Well, we're quiet tonight. The greatest opportunity, the greatest opportunity anybody has of stewardship is not in their life. It's in their death. Because most of us will not have the possession in our living years because you don't liquidate. It is in the liquidation that now you have more resources to do something with. Does that make sense? So then at the end of your life, it is a great responsibility. Stewardship does not end with your paycheck and your offering. Stewardship continues. And stewardship continues until you are no longer here. And when you are no longer here, you are still to be a steward of what God had entrusted you with. And that takes preparation. So here we look at this, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner uh, is laid up for the just. And so here we are talking about money. We're talking about assets. We are talking about resources. Uh, the idea of a spiritual inheritance is a fabricated idea. Because an inheritance is literally the transfer of resource. So to say I have a spiritual inheritance that I have already given my kids and my grandkids does not remove you from the responsibility of being a steward that God wants you to be. You see, just being a parent, being a grandparent, we're supposed to be teaching our kids. And that's why it is so vital to be teaching them stewardship principles so then when there is that transfer of resource, they then know what to do, how to do it. And they have been trained up on recognizing that the resources that we have are to be used for God's glory. So, so here there should be generational, uh, in, generational stewardship, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So go to Genesis chapter number 15. Genesis chapter 15, and we're going to look at quite a few verses, and in these verses, as we look at them, what you are going to find is a biblical model for stewardship with an inheritance. You know, God is specific about what we do with our resources now. Don't be naive enough to think that he just leaves it per chance when you die. 
God has a plan for that as well. God has a plan for how we use our resources now, but he also has a plan on what we are supposed to do with our resources when we die. How those are going to be transferred. So let's go to Genesis chapter 15. Uh, We've read these already. Genesis 15 verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision. This is Abraham. And so as we go back and forth and as I'm talking, uh, if I skip and I, or I change Abram to Abraham and Abraham to Abram, it's okay. We're talking about the same person. Amen. Uh, so uh, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, uh, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Now, in the scriptures, as we are studying things out, the law of first mention is very important. All right, the law of first mention. When God mentions a teaching, a word, a truth, and it is the first time that it is used, uh, this is introducing something that God is given, revealing to man. And so as you have the law of first mention, it is very important. So in this passage of scripture, we have several words, laws of first mention. The first one is steward. Here's the first mention of steward in the Bible. Bible. Uh, Then we have the word heir. It is the first time the word heir is used in the Bible. And then inherit, uh, we see that word as well. So all three of these words, all three of them dealing with resources, dealing with money, dealing with possessions, they're all being dealt with right now. Now, who is Abraham? What was the moniker that was given to Abraham? He was the what? Friend of God. So Abraham here, as the friend of God, is communicating to God. Now, God has blessed Abraham. Abraham, and we're not going to go there for time's sake, Abraham was a loaded individual. He was loaded. I mean, he had cattle, he had sheep, he had, he had lands, he had servants, he had money. Abraham was loaded. He had wealth. And this wealth was going to continue all of Abraham's life. And it was going to grow. Why? Because Abraham was a good steward. And with this now, Abraham, in his stewardship, a long way from passing off the scene, he's concerned about something. And you know what he's concerned about? He's concerned about stewardship. God, who am I going to give my resources to? He said, Eliezer... My servant is the only one that I can come up with who would be even worthy to consider for an inheritance as being an heir. 
You know what we find? Abraham's stewardship was forward-looking. He was looking forward to the future. And he was saying, okay, God, I don't have anybody to be a steward. So Abraham here, he had this special relationship with God, and Abram was blessed by God exceedingly, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and economically. And with that, Abraham now, he is trying to figure out, what should I do with these resources? With this great substance that was going to continue to get larger, Abraham had a concern. He said, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And so here we see that Abraham did not have a child to inherit his estate. So the steward, uh, this servant, was the only one that uh, Abram could even imagine as being in line for this inheritance uh, because it was going to be inherited by somebody. Somebody was going to receive those resources. So look at verse number 4 again, Genesis uh, 15 verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Now, stop and think about this. The first time we talk about heir, the first time we talk about inheritance, the first time we talk about uh, stewardship, and God says, those that come from your, uh, your offspring will be your heir. Your children will be your heir. That is what God is saying is the case. Look at verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he, and he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. So now this is great. Abraham is going to have a heir. But this heir was now expanded exponentially. The heir, God goes from one individual, and now he says, go ahead, Abraham, look up to the stars. Tell them, count them if you can. And he said, so shall thy seed be. What are we talking about? We're talking about inheritances. Hello, right? Don't lose the focus here. It's not just about you're going to have a bunch of kids. This is all revolving around stewardship. So tonight we're going to look at generational stewardship. And Lord, I do pray that you'd help us now tonight. Give us uh, insight. Open our minds. Help us to uh, be forward-thinking enough to see that you have a plan. And uh, it's not just for us to survive and uh, to live paycheck to paycheck and uh, just to enjoy the resources you have given to us. But Lord, that uh, we can use those resources, steward them for your glory uh, generationally, uh, more than just our generation. And so I I pray that you'd help us, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. All right, so those of you, especially you young families, I want you to 
pay attention very carefully. Because too often when you think about inheritances, you just think, well, I got a long way to go for that. The idea is that you are on the receiving end. Tonight, I want you to be forward thinking that you are on the giving end. I want us to realize that this area of stewardship should be motivating us as we are, as we are working, as we are living, as we are saving, as we are stewarding the resources that God has given us, that we are to use Him for His glory. And using those resources for God's glory is then going to be, it's going to be resulted in that there is an inheritance left to our children, but then that inheritance is also then going to be continued on to our grandchildren uh, and uh, to generations following. Because each generation, we should be teaching them how to steward. And so that stewardship then, as they receive those resources, they should learn and know how to be a good steward of it. So then as they are handing it off to the succeeding generation, that it has not diminished, but that it has grown. Now, Bill Gates, he is a philanthropist, one of the richest men in the world. He has stated that he desires for his wealth, his, his fortune to be cleared out, gone, within 20 years of his death. And you say, well, that's admirable. He just wants to give it all away, and he is going to give it to uh, different organizations, and I am sure much good will be done with those resources. But the problem is, it's terrible stewardship. Because that, those resources should be continued as opposed to be being spent. Not saying that we can't enjoy the blessings that God has given to us, but there's responsibility in our stewardship. And so here we see uh, Abraham, he was going to have a, a, uh, an heir, and uh, this heir was going to receive all the rewards that God had given uh, to Abram. So let's look again with me at verse number, uh, let's see here, uh, verse number 1 uh, of Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15, I've got to back up here. Genesis 15, uh, verse number 1. And these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now, Abraham is talking with God. They are talking about resources. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, don't worry. I am your exceeding great reward. So when you look up that word uh, reward, that word reward means sekar, and it literally means wages. It means the recompense for worthy acts. God says, I'm paying your paycheck. You are doing right, 
and I am going to recompense you. I am your great exceeding reward. I am the one that is providing those wages, those resources that you have, and I am going to meet those those needs that you have, and he's talking monetarily. And so uh, with that, uh, those wages, those rewards, those recompenses that God blesses us with, we are to be glorifying God with them. They are not uh, just for us. And they are then to be, distributed, to be distributed according to God's plan and not our plan. Amen. God has a plan for the transfer of wealth. God has a plan for the, the inheritance, uh, uh, what is done uh, with that, the generational stewardship. And so uh, take your Bibles, go to Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 18. There are so many verses that I could take you to. If you want to do a study on this, Look up children's children, the phrase. Look up inheritance. And what you're going to find is God has recorded his plan for this all through Scripture. All through Scripture. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 The Bible says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. Now, here we are in Deuteronomy, but when he's talking about this covenant, he is talking about the Abrahamic covenant. He is going all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant, which was instituted uh, between God and Abraham, and that was in Genesis chapter number 12. We find that that covenant again in Genesis 15, where we are just looking at the verses uh, about the stewardship, about the heir, about the inheritance. So, So here, now we have God again just referring back to it, and he's saying, listen, it's me that gives you the power to get wealth. It is God. It is of God's goodness. It is not because we just made all the right financial decisions. It's not because uh, we, are, uh, we are smart. Uh, God is the one that gives power for us to get wealth. He said, well, pastor, I don't have any wealth. Come to God. Come to God. God is not against wealth. God is for it. God's for it. Can you imagine if none of us had a house payment? What would that do for your finances? You talk about freedom? Wouldn't that be amazing? Now, some of you are sitting here and saying, yeah, I get get my house paid off. Praise the Lord. But that's few and far between. But if there was not that problem, if there was not that debt, what would we know? We would would have all kinds of freedom to do more things. Have you ever thought, oh, I wanted to do this for this person, but you didn't have the resources? 
oh, I wanted to help with this. Man, I just didn't have it. But good stewardship and a mindset that changes about this thing called wealth. You can have wealth. It's not a bad thing. Abraham, the friend of God, was loaded. It's not a decision, well, I serve the Lord so I can't have anything. No, it's not that way. It's not, well, I give tithes and offerings so now I'm broke. No, there is a mindset uh, of, uh, of just being in a spot where we feel like, well, we can't have because of, and we start throwing out all these excuses and reasons. Uh, but let me tell you something. The people that were wealthy, uh, we see them in the scriptures, uh, they were loaded. They were loaded, but they still were able to be generous. Uh, and so here, God is the one uh, that brings that. So all of the houses, the lands, the crops, the fields that the Lord had blessed the children of Israel with, these were all according to the covenants that God had established with generations preceding them, and they were handed down. Get that. They were handed down. Granted, when they went into Canaan, they had to go, they had to go uh, after some of these and they had to fight for some of these. But all of these generations of Abraham's, Lot, his nephew, Lot was rich. Wealth is not a bad thing. And it is, a, it is a tool to be used for God's glory. So stewardship, uh, generational stewardship, and we're going to look at that inheritance. So, uh, so this, uh, this uh, stewardship uh, of inheritance, it's a responsibility. It's a responsibility. Your, it's your responsibility to... Leave something for your children's children. So that means that you have to have something to give to your kids for that to transfer down. And we're not talking about $25. Here, we are are talking about an opportunity, and and I'll get to some principles here in in a moment. So stewardship of inheritance is a responsibility. You see that in Scripture, and we'll look at a lot of verses here. The stewardship of benevolence is generosity. And just because you have a responsibility with an inheritance does not mean that you cannot be generous. You can do both. But it's not at the expense of the other. So let's look a few, at a few examples of this biblical model uh, because the Lord is specific about the responsibility of stewardship uh, in our life. So first of all, uh, we see this law of first mention of heir, all right? And that was Abraham in Genesis 15. He said in verse 3, And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, that This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy bowels shall be thine heir. And so uh, here we see this uh, this. Uh, first mention of heir. And with that, 
that air, uh, it, is, it comes from the word inherit. All right? Air, inherit, inherit. It comes from inheritance. Uh, look at verse uh, 7, Genesis 15. Look at verse number 7. Bible says, and he said unto him, I am the Lord that, that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee, what? This land to what? Inherit it. So wait a second now. Abraham is inheriting something. Right? It's God that gives thee power to get wealth. He said, well, nobody gave me anything. No, God gave it to you. And Abraham here, God is telling Abraham that I am the one that has given it to you and you are my heir. So what does that give? That gives uh, Abraham a responsibility because he was, he was given something as an inheritance. All right? And he said, Lord God, where shall I, uh, where shall uh, and he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And so God is telling him that he was going to inherit this land, possession, wealth. All right? So this is what he's, what he's talking about. So God is telling Abraham that he has some rewards, some wages, some recompense uh, for uh, that righteous living, and God is going to heir Abraham some land. So Abraham was the heir of God. This is a tangible inheritance. It's not a, it's not an, it's not a character inheritance. It is not a knowledge inheritance. It's not academic it's tangible. It is a resource that he is talking about. So Abraham was the heir of God. Tangible ownership, wealth is what we are talking about. Uh, so we have that heir. Abraham's heir then, uh, he was looking and he thought Eliezer was going to be the, the heir. And God said, no, Eliezer is not going to be the heir. Uh, Isaac was going to be the heir. Go to Genesis 24. Genesis chapter 24. And so we're going to follow this family, and, and we're, going to, we're going to show that this inheritance that God gave to Abraham, it came from God, went to Abraham, and you're going to see how it goes generationally through his seed. It goes from Abraham to his son, and it goes to his kids and continues there. Uh, so we see in Genesis chapter 24, look at verse number 34. Here we're going to see Isaac here. And he said, I am Abram's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he is become great. So remember the story here. Abraham is sending uh, his servant to go find a wife for Isaac, okay? And so now uh, he has gone to back to Abraham's homeland, and he is seeking a wife. And so now the servant is, is uh, communicating this truth. Uh, he says, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he is become great. So this is not ideologically, this is not spiritually, this is monetarily. Okay, we're talking about wealth. He says he has become great, and he hath given him flocks 
and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, hath bare a son to my master when she is old, and unto him hath he given. What are those next few words? All that he hath. What do we see? There was preparation for that wealth to be built so there would be something to hand off. There's responsibility. Right now, you may be in your, uh, your, uh, your income-earning days. And be mindful that it's not just so you can save it or you can spend it and just enjoy the things of this life. There are those coming after you. And God here is showing an example. Abraham could have given it to Eliezer. If it didn't matter, why couldn't he? It mattered. Why? God had a plan. God had a plan for those resources not to just stay with Abraham and not for them to disappear with Abraham. They were to go from Abraham to his children, to his grandchildren, to their grandchildren. It was to be generational. And so here, Abraham, the friend of God, came to the end of his life. And what did he do? Uh, He is going to give to Isaac what he has been given. Go to Genesis 25. Genesis chapter 25. Verse number 5. We don't have rich people in our church. But what we do have is people that know how to steward. So be a steward all the way through. Be a good steward and follow the model that God has given us. Genesis 25 verse 5. And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. What was that again? And Abraham gave all that he had Unto Isaac, but unto the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son while he yet lived eastward unto the east country. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life which he lived, a hundred threescore and fifteen. And so here Abraham lived to 175 years old, and with that he had promised his son everything, and all was going to be given. Now, with that, there were gifts that were given to the others. Gifts and inheritance are different. An inheritance is a responsibility. A gift is a benevolence. Two different, completely different. There is no requirement or guideline on benevolence except that it has to be righteous. But there is guidelines, responsibility on the inheritance. So here the gifts were to others, that was benevolence, that was generosity. Dave Ramsey says this, I believe scripture shows us that godly families are called to manage wealth for God's glory. And that is, that is very true. 
Uh, so then uh, we go from Abraham here, and we're going to go to Isaac. So go to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. And again, I say this because we need to make sure that we are looking forward. Abraham, before he had kids, he was looking forward to what those resources were, how they were supposed to be used. And they, they, he knew that they were to go uh, to his heir, which would, should have been his son. All right, so Genesis chapter number 21, verse 9. And, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore, she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. What was he saying here? What do we see? That there was a differentiation between who was eligible for the inheritance. It wasn't to go to anybody. Did Abraham take care of Ishmael? Yes. Did he give gifts to the other uh, uh, children by the concubines? Yes. But the wealth that God gave him, it was to be given to his seed. And that was referring to Isaac. All right, go over to uh, Genesis 25, 11. Genesis 25, 11. And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son, who? Isaac. And Isaac dwelt by the well, Leheroi. And now what does, what does Isaac do? Uh, we find here uh, that Isaac now, uh, he, he has an inheritance. You remember his two boys, they show up? We have Jacob and we have Esau. What are they fighting over? The birthright. What was the birthright referencing? Inheritance. Don't get quiet on me. The birthright was a spiritual thing. It was not only a spiritual thing, it was all dealing with the birthright. The birthright, the inheritance here, the birthright, the firstborn, they got a double portion. Jacob and Esau, they didn't wonder if they were getting an inheritance. If they didn't think they were getting an inheritance, they wouldn't have been arguing over the birthright. I mean, dad's rich. Why? Because grandpa was blessed. And grandpa gave it to dad. And God had blessed dad. And, and dad now, Isaac, has grown that, that resource, that wealth as well. Generationally, now it is growing, continuing to grow. And now that birthright is being argued over. Why? Because it's a big deal. They say that Abraham's resources equaled out to about $6 billion according to a study that was done uh, two years ago. They said when they tried to figure out Abraham's wealth that it was about $6 billion. So you figure if Abraham had $6 billion 
And then Isaac then was already an adult, and he had lived, and he had grown, and he had been taught stewardship, and he had started off with more than Abraham started off with. Why? Because he grew up in that, and he had those resources, and now he is growing his own. But then dad, grandpa dies, Abraham dies, he inherits, and that just continues. And so now this wealth has exponentially grown, and in that exponential growth of wealth, now there is a birthright, and with that birthright, the firstborn got double uh, double portion. What did that mean? That meant that if there were two kids, they divided it by three, and the oldest got two-thirds. That's quite a bit of six billion plus. So, so here there was, there was a battle that was going on. Look again, Genesis chapter 25, look at verse 28. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat the venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob, and Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, uh, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? Notice again, profit, resources, wealth. What what, uh, profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Hear that that uh, uh, those houses, those lands, those flocks, those herds, that wealth, the riches, servants, everything was part of that inheritance and that birthright uh, was part of it. Uh, What is it? It's generational. It's a generational inheritance. Uh, Go to Genesis 26. Genesis 26. Verse number 3. 26.3, sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And God's plan was for Abraham's blessing and wealth to continue beyond that first and second generation, third generation. It was to continue uh, generationally. And Jacob, who later is going to be called Esau, we are going to find, or Jacob, who's later to be called Israel, uh, we're going to find that there's that famine that comes in the land, and he ends up, uh, he ends up being taken into Egypt, into Goshen, and who do we find being the steward at that point? The one that's given the inheritance. Go to Genesis chapter 50. Brother Franklin hit this this morning. Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 15. Genesis 50 verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us 
all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of, thy, of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant unto good, and to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived in 110 years and and Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Maker, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land, unto the land which he sware unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Keeps going back. But what do we find here? Now we find that even in that, uh, that transfer, now Joseph is in the place of great responsibility, great wealth. What do we find? He is still caring for other people. It is that, that just how those and that inheritance worked. And, uh, and I'm sure Jacob's uh, or Israel's inheritance was still split up amongst his boys, what he brought up out of the uh, land of Egypt uh, or out of the land of uh, Canaan. But when he, when he was in Egypt, uh, there were, uh, they were some years for him to sort of rebuild. But you remember, there was a famine. Everything was spent just to try to survive and to buy corn. Uh, and so uh, here we just see that uh, that that provision was continued. Uh, Genesis twenty six twelve. The Bible said Isaac sowed in that land and received it in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. So you just see how God was blessing these individuals with wealth. God is not against wealth. Now, go to Numbers chapter number 36, and I'm about done. Numbers 36. Now, remember when God's people were wandering in the wilderness, that they were promised an inheritance in the land of Canaan. Forty years they wandered. After that 40 years, they ended up, they, those 20 years up, older, they died. The young, next younger generation, now they, they're on the scene. They're ready to go in. And now with that, there was an inheritance that God has given to them, and they're going to go into the land of Canaan, and they're going to receive that inheritance. They divided it all up. But what we find is, in that division, there were restrictions of what they could and could not do with this thing called an inheritance. Look at Numbers 36.9. Bible says, neither shall the inheritance remove from one tribe to another tribe. 
But every one of the tribes of the children of Israel shall keep himself to his own inheritance. You know what? God said, that inheritance that I have given to your family, it can't be given to another family. There was a guideline that was put onto that. You remember Naboth? Naboth's vineyard? Ahab came to Naboth, I want to buy your vineyard. I can't. Why? Because there was a requirement. He could not get rid of his inheritance. Why? Because it wasn't his. It was for his succeeding generations. God has a plan. Now just think about this. Let's think about those of us as we're getting older, paying off a house, that retirement time comes, resources have built up, investments have grown. Can you imagine what would happen if we handed that off to our kids? And they knew how to be a good steward. Okay, let's just, let's bring this down to bottom shelf. An inheritance comes, and let's say it's $100,000, $200,000. In our area, if you just sold your house, and you've got two kids, that's two hundred grand a piece. Think about the tithe. You know what that would do for a ministry, for the kingdom? And that, for that to continue generationally with wealth growing, they would not only be blessed, but they could also be in a position to bless. We've got to get a hold of this thing where we recognize how God, what God's plan is. Because we can come up with our own. And we can figure out whatever it is that we want to do with it. But if God's people would properly steward what we have, the church would not have need. There would not be need. Why? Because there would be resources. There would be that continual stewarding. He said, well, nobody did that for me. Then you do it for yours. You do it for that next generation. He said, well, we don't know the Lord's going to, he's going to be here. And he's going to come. I know. I don't know if we have tomorrow. But that didn't stop Abraham from gaining wealth. That didn't stop these generations from earning and growing. Now, I've got several points. That was all introduction. So, 
When we look in Scripture, we have David, we have Solomon, we have uh, all through Scripture, there are so many rich, wealthy people that God used. So wealth is something that is, can be a spiritual tool. It should be bringing glory to God. It's not just about us. So uh, Dave Ramsey says this, Godly stewards don't just pass along wealth to future generations. They pass along the responsibility of managing it for God's glory. That's why I'm telling you younger families, make sure you're teaching your kids now. Why? So they have the right understanding of that responsibility of stewardship so it's not just going to be blown. All right? Uh, He also says a 501c3 is not holier or more noble than your children. To take your inheritance and give it to some 501c3 That's not a more noble decision. Why? Because you can't find that in the Bible. I'm not saying that there isn't generosity. I'm not saying that we can't use part of our resources, but it's not in place of. It is part of what God has laid out. So you can leave resources to nonprofit, to church, to ministry, to schools, but you won't find that as the model in the Bible. The model in the Bible is to the children. Now, some have children that are not serving the Lord. Some have children that are wayward. And there are principles with that. So just a couple principles uh, as we look forward. As you look, as you're forward thinking about wealth, number one, have a will. Have a will. You say, well, pastor, I don't have anything to will. You need to have a will. You have kids, you need a will. You have a house, you need a will. Somebody's going to determine where they go. Don't leave it up to the state. Number two, if you have resources, wealth, houses, have a trust. Have a trust. It's, it, is a, it is a document that will help guide your wishes to make sure those resources are saved for what you intended them uh, to to go to. Uh, Within that trust, uh, have a durable power of attorney, have a health care POA, power of attorney, have a health care directive. Those are things to help you as you are forward thinking about this this thing of wealth and being a good steward uh, in our uh, the end of our life. Uh, we don't know that we have tomorrow. We don't know that we're going to be 60 years old, 70 years old, 80 years old, 90 years old. So uh, be prepared for that. Be forward thinking. So have a will. Uh, if you have uh, wealth, uh, house, tr- uh, get a trust. Uh, communicate to your children your wishes. Don't write it in a trust and leave it for them to fight for. 
I was reading an article by, by Dave Ramsey and the Legacy Journey. And as I was reading through it, uh, he, he said this. He said, if you have a trust, a will, make sure that you have a meeting with your family and read it to them. And this is his terminology. Don't be a coward. Because you don't want to deal with it doesn't mean it's not going to create issues for those who are left behind. Hard feelings, arguments, fights. 30 years will pass and they'll still be arguing or still uh, hard feelings. You be the one to communicate that. That's part of stewardship. It's one thing to put it on paper, but when you're gone, the claws come out. And the reason you don't want to have that conversation is because you know the claws are there. So have that conversation. Don't leave your kids in a place where they're going to have to fight through those decisions that you made in your will and trust. Lastly, or not lastly, as changes need to be made, make them. It may cost a little to go back through and make changes and adjustments, but do it. If there's a change that needs to be made, do it. Don't just think, well, I took care of that before. If you have a will from a different state, your will is specific to that state. It's not federally recognized. It is governed by the jurisdiction of that local state. So, so if you move, you need to have another will uh, and or trust. Lastly, do not give resources to the addicted. Do not give resources to the addicted. If you have a child that is going a wrong direction, wayward, alcohol, drugs, don't give the resources that God has given to you to them. Because those resources will not be used for good. And it will not be to their benefit. It will be to their destruction. So you say, well, well how do I care for them? If, if you have a, a child that is unable to care for themselves, set, uh, set up a uh, custodial trust that they would be able to receive resources and care I know people that have set up trusts uh, for their uh, grandkids and the grandkids uh, get a, they get a check and it's just, uh, and, and it was up until they were, I think, 50 before they could get the chunk. It was just a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there. Uh, why? Because grandma knew that they weren't going to take care of those resources. So if you have somebody that you don't believe can handle the resources, then set it up to where you can still be a blessing to them 
but also not destroy them. So, so with this, these are all things that are forward thinking. So in our stewardship, let's change our philosophy, our thoughts. God, as you bless me, I'm going to be able to use this to further your kingdom. And that really needs to be the case. And you've heard testimonies by people that have already stated what they are doing with their resources and blessing the kids and blessing the church. And uh, I know a family that gave almost a million dollars to the church. And what was that? Was that, a, that was an absolute blessing. They had a son, but the son was handicapped. And if he would have inherited, the state would have taken all of the resources. So, as stewards, they were forward-thinking, and they donated it to the church. And the church is made, had made an agreement that they would make sure that all of his needs were met. You know, there's ways to navigate spiritually through this, this dynamic. And I know what I'm talking about tonight. You might think, Pastor, this doesn't have anything to, w- to do with me. I got a long way to go. You don't know that. You don't know that. And we need to have the right mentality on what God has given to us in this area. Generational stewardship. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for 